Very important chapter. We're going to look at it and then we're going to spend some time praying. The reason it's an important chapter is because we read in chapter 13, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them. And you shall listen to the words of the prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And you shall serve him and hold fast to him. So you know that at this time in Deuteronomy that Moses is there. He's addressing the children of Israel for the last time. And Moses is at the end of his ministry. And you recall that it was Moses in the first 40 years of his life. He was raised in Pharaoh's palace, wasn't he? Very little is mentioned of that and nothing really at all in the book of Exodus. We know that as the, the children of Israel were there in bondage and slavery to Egypt, that a pharaoh had come on the scene that did not know Joseph, did not remember Joseph, and uh, the years passed, the centuries passed that it happened, that um, there was favor shown to the children of Israel. But all of a sudden they were growing. And here's this nation, and so the Pharaoh says, we got to do something, so drown the male children in the Nile River. And so it was the parents of Moses, as we know in chapter 2 of the book of Exodus, that made a little ark for baby Moses and floated him down the river, and it was the daughter of Pharaoh that found him and had compassion towards him. We know that the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 says that it was Moses that after a certain number of years, and we know that would be 40 years, the first 40 years of his life that he spent being raised in Pharaoh's palace and in his courtyard. Moses was probably next in line to be the Pharaoh. We know that it would be Stephen in his address to the Sanhedrin council there in Acts chapter 7. He said that Moses was mighty in deeds and words. There's other historical documents that they have found in excavations in Egypt that point to a Moses that led the Egyptians in victory over their enemy. That's probably the same Moses. And so Moses, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and rather he would suffer affliction with his brethren. And he esteemed the riches of Christ rather than the riches of the world. I mean, think about it. Pharaoh was the most powerful man on the face of the earth at that time. Moses could have had it all, and he said no. Because I esteem the riches of Christ more than the riches of Egypt. And so after 40 years, we know how, again, Exodus tells us, he killed the Egyptian taskmaster. He was going to suffer affliction with his brethren, so he would flee Egypt, fearing Pharaoh was going to kill him. For the next 40 years, there is Moses as he's there herding sheep on the backside of the, of the desert. After 80 years of his life, he's called by God there at the mountain of God to go and free the children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses, I've chose you. You're going to lead them out. And I will free them by my mighty hand. And of course, the plagues would come down upon Egypt and Moses would lead them out. So Moses is 120 years old. And as I look at Moses' ministry, as we've gone through Exodus and Leviticus, and as we've gone through Numbers, what he has done amazes me in leading the children of Israel. He's 120 years old, and he's given his last address to them. And he's saying, keep God's commandments and keep his ways. And he gives this warning here in chapter 13, and he says, if there's anyone that comes along among you, a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, in other words, a prophet who proclaims they be speaking on behalf of God, 
it may be a proclamation or a predictive sense, or also if anyone who is a dreamer, that is somebody who says, I had a vision from God. I don't care, Moses says, as he's speaking for the Lord. The Lord says that even if there's a sign or a wonder that comes to pass, but if they lead you astray to go after other gods, then they are false and you are not to follow after them. We're going to see in Deuteronomy chapter 18 that the Lord again is going to give further instructions and he's going to say to them that if a prophet who claims to be a prophet for God and he speaks and that does not come to pass what it is that he said, that he is false. And we need to keep those guidelines today because there is a lot of people that are out there and a lot is relative. But there are those who will say, thus saith the Lord, and they're speaking a lot of things that are contrary to God's word, what is declared. Remember, this is the final authority for you and for me. Or they will give a predictive sense and it doesn't come to pass. So one of two things happen when that happened. Either God made a mistake or they made a mistake. And we know that God doesn't make mistakes. So what he says in Deuteronomy 18 is says, every word needs to come to pass, not 50% of it, 80%. They have to be 100% accurate. And if they're not, it didn't come from the Lord. Here he's saying, if they're leading you astray, then you need to forsake them and not follow after them. I don't care if they're working miracles. And the reason that I mention that today, because being a pastor over the last 17 years, I've seen movements come blowing through the church. And there's the signs and the wonders and the miracles, but nobody's listening to the message. And when you do listen to the message, it's not according to God's word. And when people start saying, I say this in the name of Jesus, remember, it's in the character and the nature of Jesus. Is it according to the word of God? And we can check it out. And we do know that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that we are told in the corporate body that when prophecy is given, that it is to be judged. So there are those who will come along and say, hey man, don't judge him. Well, you better believe I'm going to judge him because that's what God's word has to say. And when they bring up Matthew chapter 7, don't judge me and we shouldn't be judging one another. He's saying the Lord in that, don't judge for condemnation. We don't know a person's heart, but we do judge because all throughout the New Testament is told, beware. Well, how can we beware? How can we be discerning if we're not judging? So we're told very specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the leadership is to judge any prophecy that is given for the protection of the sheep and for the fellowship if it's according to God's nature, character, according to his word. And if they're given a predictive sense, thus saith the Lord, this is going to happen, and it doesn't happen, then they weren't speaking from the Lord. And so we need to be careful. And even if there's miracles involved, don't just get caught up in the signs and the wonders and the miracles and things like that. Now, I believe that the gifts of the Spirit are valid today. I believe the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing, the gift of wisdom, word of knowledge, the, all those gifts are for us today. But we also know that there are guidelines that are given to us. And we know that it is going to be something that is going to be a work of the Spirit that's going to be a true work. And so God heals today. But we need to also know that Satan is the master deceiver. And that he is an angel of light, as Paul would write in 2 Corinthians. He is an angel of light. And remember when Pharaoh 
when he received Moses for the first time, when God told Moses to go to Pharaoh, and it was Moses that said, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go. And what did Moses do? He threw down his staff, and his staff, well, what happened was the magicians of Pharaoh came and threw down their staffs, and it turned into snakes, right? So Moses threw down his staff, and it turned into a, a snake, and Moses' snake ate up their snakes. What happened after that? Moses turned the Nile River into blood and the tributaries. It was the magicians of Pharaoh that found some water that wasn't polluted, and they turned it into blood. Next, the frogs. Moses called up frogs or frogs all over the land. And what the magicians of Pharaoh did is they called up frogs as well. And you see, that's what Satan does. He makes things worse. But they couldn't take away the frogs. Only Moses could. So don't think that Satan is the opposite equal of God. He is nothing to God. He is a created being, and he is not the power or all-knowing like God is. He's not the equal opposite of God. Don't think that. But he is powerful. And we know in Acts chapter 8, it was Simon the sorcerer that was astonishing the people up there in Samaria with his magic, with his sorceries. And then when he was seeing that revival was taking place as Philip was up in that area and Philip called for the apostles John and Peter and, and it was the Holy Spirit that was working miracles and it was Simon that said, hey, I want to buy the Holy Spirit. You remember Peter rebuked him? But he was a deceiver. And we know that Second Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us that the Antichrist is going to deceive many by signs and wonders in the last day. And he's going to call down fire from heaven. But he's going to speak what? Blasphemous things. So the people are going to be amazed at the signs, at his intellect, at his leadership ability. But his message is going to be that of blaspheming God. So Jesus told you and I that in the last days that false prophets and false teachers are going to increase. All throughout the New Testament, we were warned against false prophets and teachers that will come on the scene. And we were told that in the last days that there was going to be a falling away of the truth. And I really believe that we're seeing that. I really believe it in the church at large today that there is slowly more and more a departure away from the truth of God's Word. So that's why I pray for you and for me that when people come in here, they would know that they're going to receive the truth of God's Word And we're going to check everything out according to the Word of God. And a church that does that is going to be healthy to people, and they're not going to get caught up in a bunch of nonsense and a bunch of goofiness and other things that are deceptive. And I've met people who have gotten involved in those things, and people get all worked up about it, and the Christians get worked up about it, and I get phone calls, and, hey, you're going to come to this revival, and Brownville revival, and Toronto blessing, and, and getting drunk in the Spirit, and all these things that are not of God. And I say no. Because I know that my Bible says that I am not to desire to be staggering around in a sanctuary acting drunk. I don't see it. I'm sorry. You show me where that is in the Scripture. Well, hey, brother, you know. and I know. I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> be cool. They always have their youth leader call, you know. (laughs) 
hey man, you know, all this stuff. Not against you, please. But I will call them on it. And it's the church that is healthy that looks at it and says, that's not of God, and they don't get caught up in it. And as Mike Riddle, when he was here a few weeks ago, you recall that he, he said, and I've used this illustration, that a bank teller, one of the ways that they can tell that if a, a dollar bill or a $20 bill is real or counterfeit is they study the real one. So when the counterfeit comes, they can spot it immediately. So you and I, what we need to do is study the real thing here. That when that deception and that which is false, that person who is trying to, to say, I've had a vision or a revelation, I don't care if they're signs or miracles, what is your message? That we can spot it right away because we're checking it out with the Word of God. So he gives this warning to them, even if there's miracles that are involved. And so he goes on to say, quickly, verse 5, But the prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you should put away the evil from your midst. If your brother, the son of your mother, your son or your daughter, the wife of your bosom, uh, or your friend who is as your own soul secretly entices you, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, which you have not known, neither you nor your fathers, of the gods of the people which are all around you, near to you or far off from you, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. You shall not consent to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him or conceal him. Verse 9, But you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be against him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. And you shall stone him with stones until he dies, because he sought to entice you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And so all Israel shall hear and fear and not again do such wickedness as this among you. Brutal, isn't it? And it's harsh. And I understand it is. But God knew what would happen when this false worship and false gods, or when they go after it, the consequences would be great. And as you go to the book of Jeremiah, one of the things that you see is Jeremiah with the leaders of the house of Judah with a pot there overlooking the, the valley of Gehenna, and he breaks the pot and he says, that's what's going to happen to the nation because you guys have gone off the whole nation into that which is false. The whole place was corrupted. Because that had been allowed the false worship and the false doctrine to just creep in and, and to just spread like cancer. And Hosea the prophet says, oh, a nation without knowledge will perish. That's why we're concerned, aren't we? With what we see in our nation. And what we see in our church. And our weapon is God's truth in, in prayer. There's still a battle, I believe, for this nation and for the church today for us to engage in prayer and be praying because the consequences are great. And Jeremiah said to them, this is what's going to happen. And he gives a terrible description of what's going to happen because of the captivity of Babylon. The people are going to die and how horrible it's going to be all because of the serious consequences of them going after false gods. So the individual, it sounds hard, but it's going to entice you to pull the nation away and the serious consequences that are there. And then verse 12, if you hear someone in one of your cities from 
which the Lord your God gives you to dwell in, saying, Corrupt men have gone out from among you and enticed the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which you have not known. Then you shall inquire, search out, and ask diligently. And if indeed true and certain that such an abomination is committed among you, you shall surely strike the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying it. All that is in it is livestock with the edge of the sword. And you shall gather all its plunder into the middle of the street, completely burn with fire the city and all its plunder for for the Lord your God, it shall be heaped forever, it shall, not be, it shall not be built again. So none of the accursed things shall remain in your hand, so the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show you mercy, have compassion on you, multiply you just as he swore to your fathers, because you have listened to all the voice of the Lord your God to keep all his commandments, which I command you today to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord your God. Let us do what is right in the eyes of the Lord, and that is, to fear him, to know him, to love him, to know his word, and to walk in his ways. Timothy, continue in the scriptures which you have known from childhood, which makes you wise for salvation, Paul told him. And knowing the scriptures for you and for me makes us wise for salvation because you and I, every single day, the people that we see around us who do not know God's word, that there isn't true wisdom being worked out in their lives. And you, we see the consequences, don't we? And the bondage that they're in. And the wondering. And the discouragement. And wondering if there's any hope. What is truth? And guess what? God's going to use all of us, this little church, Calvary Chapel, and plop you in the middle of it. And he's going to say, give them truth. And give them Jesus. And don't back down. And don't compromise. Don't not entice them to go the way of the world or another way. Or say, whatever, you know, whatever you want. You give them Jesus. That's all I have to give to you. It's God's word and God's love to anyone. And it is so valuable as it would be David that would say, oh, your word to me is more valuable than gold, sweeter than a honeycomb. And may we be ones that we value the word of God, tucking it in our hearts and loving them with all of our hearts and then being a light, giving that to others. And so, Father, tonight, we thank you for this time together. And we come to you as a people with one heart united together. And we pray for those that we know that need prayer tonight. We know that there's a family that's hurting, a young girl upstairs that's hurting, Lord. And I pray that you bring comfort to her. To her sister Allie, to her father, to her family. And Father, that she would know that you love her and you're always there with her. And Father, I pray for our young people that go through so much and there's so much out there, darkness and evil that can pull them away.